Now, this I can tell every photographer in the world. If you don't have a focus on one thing, then don't do it. So imagine, I'm not even a rock fan, but I'm a Josh fan. And I, I, lo I love his creativity. So we started together to work on stuff. And I did all that work for the Queens of Estonia for three years. And from there alone, this gave such a great output. Again, focusing in one thing had such a great output. Then I became this rock and roll photographer. The next thing I did the Foo Fighters. I did the Arctic Monkeys. I did the ZC Top. And I did all the projects really with Josh. Oh, wow. And we did a movie with Anthony Bourdain called American Valhalla about the last, uh, the last uh, uh, the record of Iggy Pop. And working with those guys, you know, it's, I'm always, since I'm not a fan, first of all, I'm already, for them, it's, for, for the object of photography is already relaxing yeah, because true. he's not a fan, but oh, so cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> the medium man, like, oh, like, can we have a photo? <laughs> I never take a photo together with anyone. It's like maybe accidental, somebody takes a photo of me or they do a back, back but, but I'm in it for, for getting the best photo, right? Yeah. So and this, is, this is really, but I, I have to tell you, the, the focus on one thing changed my success in this and this is really the last six seven years blew off and i then ended up in even winning a being part of uh, winning a grammy for for best photography best packaging on desert session which again is a josh homey project which is his his long-lasting mixtape he's doing every 10 years <laughs> and and so so this is really the focus on one thing you know and not like shooting everything you can mm -hmm. never get anywhere this is lit and lucid your after-work de-stress smoke sesh podcast. I'm your host, Lit. And I'm your host, Lucid. And we're going to take you on a journey. A journey to discover the truth and find the balance. Every week, we get deep on those thought-provoking topics that ooze out of the cannabis universe. But we also keep it real by illuminating important issues and people in today's culture. So kick back. Consume your favorite cannabis products. And get cozy, cozy in the, the Lit and Lucid, Lucid lifestyle. Welcome everybody to the Lit and Lucid podcast. We are here just cruising right along in season 13. Thank you all for joining us through this whole entire journey. Um, I was telling Jared before the show, we've been working on this website revamp for the whole season and oh man, I am just so grateful that everybody stuck with us through this entire journey. It's like kind of embarrassing what we used to put out and I'm just so glad to see where we're at now. <laughs> Got a better website. We're doing good. <laughs> yeah, so cool. But yeah, I mean, speaking of that and like creativity and doing really cool things and evolving, uh, we have a very fascinating guest on today. Today we have Andreas Dre Newman. He is the crea uh, chief creative director at Jushi Holdings with over three decades of experience in advertising, entertainment, and technology. Before joining Jushi, Dre worked at IDEEN as the head of content working with clients such as IBM, HP, and Rolls-Royce. He's also a really well-known photographer, you guys, having photographed people like Iggy Pop, ZZ Top, and Lenny Kravitz. So we're super excited to have Dre on the show today to tell us more about his career path into cannabis, what inspires his creativity, and much more. With that, welcome, Dre. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the introduction, and, and super excited to be with you guys. Likewise, yeah. You know, and thanks for being on the show. You have a remarkable background, first of all, and we can't wait to to kind of dig in deeper and kind of learn more and see how you know the stars really align for you. But first, we have to ask: Are you a cannabis consumer yourself? Absolutely. So this is a, this is a funny story. Um, so I I basically whatever I do. So let's talk with with creativity. When I do films or when I, when I do something, I always 
believe you actually you cannot do it without actually doing it yourself. Uh, one example, I did this years ago. I did this film uh, in in Sweden for the for the Royal Swedish Air Force with with some jet fighters. And so I told them I cannot shoot the film without me flying the jet fighter. So they had to train me <laughs> on a flight simulator. And I was actually able to to do it like in the navigation, you know, the two two seats, navigation seats. So I did I did some flight training and flew the jet fighters up and uh, nearly as close as Branson went to I saw it in oh the black universe. And then we did the loop and down again. So this was kind of this is what you have to do. And coming back to the question. So when I joined the cannabis industry, and I'm I'm and my first joint experience was with maybe 18 and and then i it kind of wasn't my thing it was somewhere in germany where i grew up and it was made me tired and like it wasn't kind of my kind of thing i thought and i never used it again uh and when i joined uh the company you know i was thinking about joining, going into the cannabis industry i really started testing all the products from gummies to vapes to flour to pre-roll so and i i'm telling you since day one Every day I have consumed, only in the evening, I cannot do it while work, while work hours, I can do it for relaxation at night, but I have to test all the products. Otherwise I have six brands in Jushi we launched over the last six months. So if we don't, if we don't know how the effect it's going, then yeah. you shouldn't be doing this, I think. So yeah. that I probably agree. helps with your creativity as well and inspiration for the brands. Well, it's, it, of course, of course, but as well, I, I, I find the, the plant itself like changed, really changed my approach to, to not only creativity, but as well to life. It's a very, it's an interesting thing. If you, you cannot expect this from the first experience, right? You have to get used to it. There's an ad adrenaline moment happening and you have to come out, you just overcome this kind of, it has to become normal. And when you then, then you can enjoy it, I think. And uh, this it's everything in life. I think it's everything. You have to do it. You keep doing it, and you get into places like you know, as a sportsman. If I don't, if I don't practice, uh, and then I never get to that that place, you know. And it's the same with cannabis. And it, it has opened really my mind, and it has not as open. I always say that I, it it feels like you're more aligned with the universe, kind of, because it shuts down your your desperation in a way. You you have moments where you not desperately standing out. I need the next thing. I'm not hustling or whatever you call it. Like you just sit there and then look at stuff and, and enjoy, enjoy stuff. I have a lot of nice little things to look at with my, with my photos at night. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. thing. So, so that I'm super inspired, super uh, with a plant, big fan of the plant. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and, and of course it, as we know it, not on, not only has its recreational fun as, as well as like, it's an amazing, uh, amazing medicine for people who need it. Uh, and we know this from our research. We, the number one is, of course, pain, sleep, and then the, the PTSD as well for, for, for our veterans. We have a lot of veteran clients in Jushi. So, so that, that's, for me, like a must. must coming back to your question, yeah. you got to use if you want to sell or if you want to work with it. Right? I love that. Otherwise, it's not authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't hear that often, really. And that's kind of like where we're going with a lot of the stuff. And kind of why we ask is because we like to see that. We like to see people working in companies and have that relationship with the plant because, and we all know, you know it better than us because you said it, but like having that relationship with the plants, that's how you're going to be able to to work with it and then bring it to people who uh, need that and maybe haven't had that experience with the plants. So especially somebody like a creative director where you happen to, to market or brand or position. I mean, if you don't know the product, you're, I mean, Think about if you were selling a watch, it's the same thing. If you're selling a watch and you don't even know how the hell the watch was made, what the parts are, how it works, ah. how are you going to sell it? You can't. 
this is what you have to involve yourself very deeply into this stuff if you not only if you want to sell it if you uh if you want to do anything with if if you if you're real right and you want to be yeah. with it it's like and i feel like the cannabis is a little bit like music as well you know it's like everybody feels it different mm-hmm. uh everybody has a kind of a different thing so it's it's very much like art in a way and it goes very nicely it's actually like art oh, i love that I love that. That might be a first too. It really, that's like copyright. We're gonna have so many quotes to pull from this. We got the creative director coming in real hot. Yeah, right. Like a, all these light bulb moments. Jesus. <laughs> well, uh, we do want to talk about Jushi a little bit more, but first, I want to talk more about your background. I know you were the creative director for Ideen, and you worked with some really cool, well-known brands. So, tell us a little bit more about that experience. So my, my whole background was really like traditional advertising. So my, my early life, I had my first company very young and was super lucky to get through, through the commercial business into, into real advertising companies, American companies like uh, Gray Advertising, Saatchi and Saatchi. This was my journey then when Silicon Valley had tech startups. So I had the whole thing whilst I already get involved into record companies doing the heights of MTV, working with MTV, music videos. Et so I have this whole galvan, it's all put together in my career, funny enough, always interested in something else. And the last thing coming to Ideen, uh, Ideen was for me like a very important uh, point of my career because it, it's kind of, I was, a, I was doing a lot of, I, I done a lot of music stuff and in the entertainment, it's all about emotion and you have to do something authentic and something very like, um, it's just, it has to be good. That's the first of all, you cannot just invent, it has to be good. Mm-hmm. So, but where we're coming from, where I come from, advertising, it was really dying down, you know, it was dying down because traditional, it wasn't working, the digital stuff kicks in, uh, social media, and so the, the, the traditional ways of advertising wasn't working anymore. So for me, working at ID, and that really galvanized everything together because it's, it, ID's purpose was only thinking about the experience. So, the, and the experience, later I say this in my, my videos all the time, the experience equals the brand today. Uh, it's not anymore like you make a nice advertising campaign and pe- people don't care. You know, it's like really like the digital experience married together with the physical experience in the store, for example, that has to be absolutely frictionless. And identifying friction, that's actually what Ideen was doing, right? Identify friction and this is the gold in 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 that yeah. new world of advertising. If you find friction, you analyze why it's friction, then you either take it out or use it for something else, like and 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 or put it somewhere else in the in the in the in the flow. So to create this absolutely uh, where Apple is master in this absolutely like frictionless environment yeah. where you where where the technology works for you instead of you geeking out like a PC PC like oh so sexy how I can write this code right X4 <laughs> you don't need it. So it has to be I'm not interested it has to be all happening in the background right with yeah. an Uber. Don't ask me where I am. The freaking phone knows where you are. Yeah. You don't have to, oh, what's the address here or something? So this is the, the basics of it, right? And I think a big, a, a big example as well is when Apple decided to get rid of the last button, like on the iPhone, right? I mean, this is the job. This is the million-dollar job. Get, la- get rid of the last button. <laughs> and, and so I was, I was lucky enough. We, we worked on, on, on projects uh, with the company, with the fruit. We always say it. I'm not under NDA anymore. Thank God, but. <laughs> but that was that was fascinating how attention to detail and how how everlasting taking friction out of stuff is yeah. important. And this we are applying now really in the cannabis industry, now retail, digital experience and retail experience, because cannabis is actually a uh, a place where you still need stores, right? Yeah. You're not, not you're not gonna be tower records in a while where where 
where this is all gone and it's all downloadable, you actually still, by regulations and by by practice, you have to pick it up. So you can pre-order it, but you have to pick it up in the store. So that experience is very important to to focus on, and 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 it helped me a lot my experience over four years with ID and to be able to focus on this and working with the biggest brands in the world and them understanding that the experience is the most important thing today. You know? Yeah, I think that's something that uh, that's so cool you bring up because I think what you're kind of leading to, which uh, the modern day term, I think that all of us kind of ad people would, would look towards is like user experience or user interface. And so a couple of things you're discussing, user interface is like, the, the iPhone screen and the buttons and stuff and the experience you're mentioning is just like the the subconscious stuff almost for a lot of us oh. of like you know you mentioned these pain points of like if the button color is red like we're probably not going to click on it because you know our underlying emotions and our, our subconscious like makes us scared of it or something um, is that yeah. is that kind of true kind of like that you're learning kind of these little things that that kind of trigger people and kind of how to work with people. Yeah, but it's really, it's really, I mean, Leonardo da Vinci always said simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, right? So it's like, it's, it's, it was always like that. It's just like, it's that moment of, a, of somebody going to a, you in the office, you go to a coffee machine and there's somebody behind you and it's the first time you're approaching this coffee machine and you try to get a coffee out of it and you're already under pressure. The yep. person behind you maybe have done it or it knows how it works and you're like, but it's not, I, I never understood that it's not really your fault that you cannot make this coffee because it's the fault of the designer who designed this <laughs> coffee machine. There should be literally like one button, cappuccino, yep. macchiato, espresso. Okay, how, that's how it has to be. The rest I'm not interested about. Not get the milk through some over here. And the, you know. So this is like, it's, it exists for for decades, this thing. And, and Apple has just, I think, with the iPhone one has brought up this kind of has set a standard that everybody's expecting it now. And that goes through organizations, you know, it's not only like customer facing, this is within organizations. You have, you have like over years and years, heritage softwares, like vintage softwares kind of who have been stashed together like Frankenstein over the years. And you have to declutter all that stuff in order to make big companies efficient again. And that's, this can actually, you see, always see that as a, as a potential for growth. This is how you can make, with, with design, you can make a $1 billion company, a $10 billion company, in my opinion. And I, that's, you can Google that as shared with many like big yeah. leaders in Silicon Valley. And I think around all industries these days, you know, that's like I think experience that's, is everything. Yeah, and I mean like living proof of that is the cannabis industry. I think all the talk, all I see in these magazines that come out or the all the new news around cannabis is retail experience. I mean, even the last week, I've seen the world retail experience probably more times than like I've seen 10 o'clock on my watch. Like, yeah. it, it is a thing. And so, you know, tell us uh, how all of the- have to come up with something new now to talk about because it's- really <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know, because I think this is kind of where we're probably, we might sit here for a while because I think there's a lot of companies who are still trying to get around the idea that like branding and, and you know, the- the, the move towards like consumer packaged goods is like a whole solidified thing. Uh, like you have to have a brand. It's going to be a consumer packaged good at some point, or it already is basically. And then yeah. I think where we're at now is people tying in the retail experience that you would have going into like an Apple store or something. And so, you know, tell us about that and kind of what does that look like on the side of cannabis as far as creating a retail experience and then tying the brand and kind of what users are looking for into that whole thing yeah. too. So we, my, my thing is like you can be creative, you can do like lots of stuff, like super cool stuff for all kinds of uh, all kinds of genres of entertainment and rock and roll and everything. But it, in the end, it, it comes in this in this genre of retail and digital. It really comes down to the research. You have to. It, it cannot be opinion led. Like Dre knows 
he, he knows he's so so cool. He did this and that. I know ne you never know. You have to really research this two bits. And this is actually in, in the user experience like process. The first thing which happened is really uh, intense research. And this research is not based on like asking people questions normally. It's more like observational. So you like you, you observe a store, you see what people are doing, what they, how they're moving around, are they staying together? The first time, an intimidating uh, experience, your first time you're a cannabis store, I don't know if you remember it, but when I went the first time in, you kind of, you feel like intimidated, a little bit insecure, what, where do I go, where do I look, what do I ask, what, what's the language? Um, can I ask this, can I ask that? So I, we, we, we saw this, people always stay in little, when they come together, they always stay together, for example, that's a little example, right? So, <laughs> So all this, and so there's lots of observations you have to then apply to, based on data, based on research, apply to the design of those stores. And as well, of course, and then there's another layer, the future could be recreational. Um, there's no pharmacist anymore. The pharma, there's no consultancy anymore like there. We have like, you know, states where you have half pharmacy, half hipster dispensary. Some point you have to shut down the pharmacy or not, you know, like we, there's some, some patients still want that or mm -hmm. now it's now it's now it's it, it's there by law but it's, it's it's all these little things you have to watch out for and you have to build this kind of agile agile you can call it like mm -hmm. and and sometimes even for every location retail location for every county could be different there could be there could be a, a market in california who is really only focusing on their people want to they know all the products they just want to pick that up as fast as possible and they want to have a drive-through ideally where they where they just drive past and they know already what they want. They pre-order it, they drive through, pick it up and go. Other, other places they want the experience, they want to learn about it, they want to be educated, they want to, they have, they have severe pain with something, they want to be consulted, like nearly like a mini, mini like a pharmacy consultancy in, in, in the recreation sense, actually real pharmacists. So they teaching you what, what is good for what. Yeah. So all this stuff. So that's why it's so hard to, to find one formula. So you have like, we are, we are like in six states, so we have like six different formulas and those six states, they have so many counties and so many different regulations. There's so many different environments. They're like, there's a Santa Barbara versus a Scranton, Pennsylvania, right? So how do you, how do you design for Scranton, Pennsylvania versus Santa Barbara? So you, you have to really analyze and, 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 and really research this deeply, what, what are you going to do in retail? And as well, like uh, in, in terms of product, in terms of expectation, how much product you offer in California, you have to have over thousand SKUs. You don't, don't even get, you don't need to be taken serious if you don't have thousand SKUs. In Pennsylvania, you don't even have maybe 200 SKUs. Yep. So, because it's still a medical market and there's limited limited uh, availability of brands, the brand is just getting started. There's not even brands, it's more like column packaging of products. Yeah. There's no mm -hmm. brand yet, right? So, in California, they're starting with brands now. That's like people actually stick with a with a gummy like they they love a camino gummy or something they like love it and they stick with it so they that's that's a brand there and there's but it's it's everything is different and we have virginia we're just launching like you you're launching products into a market which has never seen anything <laughs> so you're responsible now for the next coca-cola in cannabis right like okay but it can be called whatever it can be called dre's dre's best yeah and and it will be the new standard for that state and they will not notice in in, in ohio but in virginia it will be hot oh, don't you know it <laughs> this <laughs> right. is the only thing available right so so that's all this sophistication and you know like the location the product the, the education the the, the 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 patients versus the consumer so it's it's 
it's it's a lot of things you have to watch out for there to to make the right decision, and that's only based on really like intense research and 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 then translating that research into a a flow, you know, a frictionless flow, and and design that really, and then you can build it. It's like building a house really, but yeah. that house you have to build for. Same with the house. You build a beach house, or you build like a mountain house, or you build like a city loft in New York, right? So it's the same thing. You cannot have the same, apply the same rules to it, really. Yeah. Like, so tell us a little bit more about what you do at Juicy. Do companies come to you and they're looking for like a brand revamp, or you guys are creating your own brands moment, to put in the market? At the moment, we're really in a phase where we, so we started really, we could say we started retail first. So we were acquiring some uh, a, a comp company called Beyond Hello in Pennsylvania, like mm -hmm. a retail chain. There were only three stores. And we're building that out across our states. So this was, this was the first step. Then we got vertically integrated. So this in Pennsylvania. So we could actually now launch our own products. So we're not selling these products only in our own stores, but they're selling like 80 other Pennsylvanian dispensaries. So because we we not calling them house brands or something, calling them our, our private label. I mean, we, we sell them, but others sell them as well because they, it's great stuff. It's, it's, it's nicely branded and it's actually already has a, some of them come from an acquisition from, we did in Colorado like years ago. So some of those, the bank and the lab, so flower brand and our uh, vape brand, they already have like, uh, like a following and they, oh, yeah. they have mm -hmm. winning awards and stuff. So, but we relaunched them in all our markets. So this is now the phase we, we are really focusing our own brands and we don't think we have to have too many, you know, you need like a, a strong, you need a strong flower brand. You need a strong vape brand. You need a medical brand mm -hmm. uh, from CBD to stronger, like medically appliances, like, uh, like um, capsules and tinctures and stuff. Uh, and then you need um, an edible brand uh, for the main, mainly the gummies and the the chocolates and, 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 and the best-selling categories. This is how we start, and then, again, that's based on research. And we're looking at our acquisitions where we buy like a cultivation and manufacturing facility. We see what they've sold most, and then we're starting with that, and then we're going to next phase and we're being innovative. What do you see here? Like, the, we have a sub-brand uh, we invented, uh, which is super cool. I always love to mention it. It's, it's called Sachet, <laughs> and that's like a, a really affordable, cool lifestyle, pre-roll brand and pre-ground brand. So like you, you, you have some, something as well. You cannot always say what it is. It's kind of an adventure. You, you get it. It doesn't, it's not expensive. It looks cool, but you don't really know how, what the effect will be because it's made out of stuff, which normally goes in, in extraction. Mm -hmm. So super exciting. And then the advertising campaign for it as much as you can advertise is like, is this kind of, adventure it's it's hiking it's being on the beach log fires surfers and and and, and fun you know yeah. uh, fun so so this is where we're going and then of course we're challenged with um some states we want to launch products which we not we not haven't done yet before like could be some teas or something we're partnering up with some some cool brands from california for example but that's then again we're in that those states they they even have to go to us so it's an interesting situation right you cannot just some other big brands of California, they cannot just show up in Virginia and launch because they yeah. need a partner. And we have the, in Virginia, for example, you need to be vertically integrated if you want to sell it. So you have to have the facility, you have to grow it, see to sale, and you have to sell it. So, so there's a lot of that, that's, that goes into it as well. So uh, of course you have a lot of brands want to partner with us because we have the stores. And at the moment you have the store, you, you're, 
you have the distribution, right? And that's yep. that's a huge advantage. So, but we're trying to combine all that. But we were re- always retail first, and we're building aggressively out our retail footprint, right? In all states we're in. Yeah, I think that's smart. Yeah, we uh, we kind of came familiar with you guys when um, really, you know, we were familiar with the, the the brands, the bank and the lab here in Colorado. We actually live here in Denver. Those were two yeah. of like the, the top brands in Colorado when they first came out. Yeah. And I uh, I met a gentleman who works with your company uh, last year. And so kind of came familiar with them and really impressed with how you guys are kind of going about this, because I think this is the next level of this cannabis game basically is that mm-hmm. you have to be in multiple states. Like you mentioned, you have to be vertically integrated because I think you have to have this, the full oh. supply chain. And then like you just mentioned, going to another state is like nearly impossible unless you already have a partner or a distributor in that state. And so I think this is what you guys are doing is exactly what, it, what this is going to look like. It's going to be companies with a portfolio of brands who come and you guys have all the different markets kind of, um, kind of covered, I guess, with all these different, um, products and then you have to be in multiple states and you have to have a distribution in the retail stores. So I think this is pretty much what it's going to look like going forward. There's going to be a handful of companies that own quite a few brands and then you just sell those. It's it's really yeah. no different than you know I I'll be super crude here and use like cereal and like you I know ketchup it, yeah. and stuff. It's all similar to a handful of companies like Kraft owns a bunch of those. Absolutely, and you know like we we as well we we have to exercise our muscle even in markets where we have just a grow in nevada for example we don't have any retail stores but we have a grow there in las vegas and we had to launch the bank and the lab and tastology our, our edible brand we had to launch back to uh, as a real grower right there was no retail <laughs> yeah. so gotta get out and sell and we became this was very proud of we became uh in some categories number one bank came number one selling wow. uh flower brand in nevada uh, overnight kind of just super Super exciting! I don't know how we did it, but it's it, you know it's a it's a since you cannot advertise here, yeah, you have to have great salespeople. You have people who believe in the product. The packaging has to be excellent, and then you have to kind of have that price point which hits the nerve, you know. Yeah. And 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 this, I think that's what we did there. Um, one thing that Lucy and I, if I can jump in here, one thing that we're talking about now is that you know there's not a lot of flower companies in general that are branded, and I think that that really might be the the sweet spot and the missing piece to a lot of this. Like even in Colorado, we only have like a handful, like three or four different companies that we can even name by name that sell flour, yeah. you know, and that's it. And so I think that is the next step of like these cultivators like yourself, like coming out with the bank and the genetics. I think that, you know, Jesus, you know, when anybody thinks of cannabis, they think of smoking weed, they think of smoking the flour. Um, yeah. yeah, that's probably the one area where there's not a lot of branded um, products or like names that anybody can say like, oh yeah, like I... You know, I consistently buy from the bank besides, you know, you have like Jungle Boys out in California or cookies and um, and that's kind of about it. So I think that's still like an area that's almost left untouched where there's a a ripe opportunity to brand it. Which is ironic because that's like the core and the the start of it all. (laughs) The main piece. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, and it's just uh, it's uh, I always say it's like uh, you have to fix now. You really have to fix the basics and you're not even competing yet in some of those markets. It's not a real it's not a real competition. When you come from the outside world, it's kind of, well, let's fix all the basics first before <laughs> we even start creating a brand. But I think with the bank, what we did is we like, we had already something and we just tried to make it better. And this is all, again, this is research to pieces, the stuff, you know, the packaging is not coming because I had a great idea and my team, like when you're doing it and then it's great, 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 so great, so great. For example, there's names. We, 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 have, we have brands. I don't like the name because it's, but it's just, the mainstream on the nose, people love it. And 
I cannot all love everything, but I have to listen to the research, right? So mm-hmm. that we were respectful for that. So basically, listen to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. simple. And um, that's a formula which works, you know, like in general. <laughs> uh, better than relying on one. It's not scalable if you rely on one great guy or some great team <laughs> making the right decision by accident. And we know all the big brands in the world, they have not, they, they're not coming as well, like just just by accident to yeah. life, right? There's, there's a lot of goes into it. Um, but Bank, as you said, thanks for the compliment. Bank and, and Lab is an acquisition we did, uh, and it's, it, it was a good one. It was lying, it was resting for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had this lying around for, and we had this like for half a year lying around, and boom, we launched it when we were ready. But as I said, retail was first. We first had to fix that. Yeah, I think, and I think the retail probably helps you guys on the back end, just of having that access to consumers, just like, you know, what's better than hearing from somebody oh. directly of what they want or what they're shopping for, or how they're yeah. shopping. And I think you can take that and apply it to your brands too and your products. 100%, 100%. And this just this, I mean, and, and the data, and then you go online and then you have a real, it's real data, right? It's like, it's really, that's, and that's just, just getting started. Really <laughs> just getting started. Well, I can't wait to check out one of your retail locations one day. I'm sure it'll be a really amazing experience. Um, yeah, I'm right here in one like in Saatchi, Illinois, opposite the river uh, of uh, St. Louis. So that's something oh, cool. if you ever hear, you can let me know. Oh, <laughs> All go. right, we will. Royal treatment. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, another really interesting part of your background is that you're a very well-known award-winning photographer. And uh, Jared and I were aspiring photographers and, you know, like to take photos, but nothing like this. So tell us a little bit more about being a photographer, what it's like to take photos of people like Anthony Bourdain and Iggy Pop and just kind of more about your background with photos. So my, as, as I said before, my background really like is I, I come from advertising. So I'm advertising commercials. So I did for like really 20 years. I always t- took photos. I always had a Leica and like was like nerding with my super expensive photo stuff with shooting on film and like so i did this for years learning from the greatest dps like in the industry shooting from from david fincher to ridley scott like doing all these commercials so i I could i could hire a lot of great uh photographers like film photographers dps director of photography so i learned a long time watching learning shooting watching learning shooting at some point in my career Photography was really my passion because film is too much work, really, for me. You know, it's like it's like you always need this big team. You cannot respond. It cannot be spontaneous. You cannot. You always need like a, the trucks arriving, the duct tape on the thing, and like this destroys the vibe. And then you cannot really do anything like super creative uh, in a smaller unit. At least not where I come. I come still from film and stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. like we shot on thirty-five millimeter all this commercial. So imagine what you need for all that stuff. How many people you need? Hundreds of people. Yeah. So. Being when I when I when when I sold my second production company chain I built like with 29 and I moved to London, I decided now it's I haven't read a book for 10 years so I have to I'm slowing down now I'm I'm starting to just do my shit, and so I, I was sitting I bought a house in Holland in Notting Hill before the, even the movie was out. <laughs> Notting Hill made the whole real estate price. So I bought this house in Notting Hill, cool area, all artisty area, and I started doing only photos. And for a long time, I have to say, people always loved my photos, but I had no direction, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could do anything. I could do 
I do a lot of hip hop. I worked with Puff too. Like, like then whatever happens, I, I, I shot it and people always loved it. You know how people <laughs> love it and that's what we'll see you later. But they were pretty good, my photos, I think, always. But um, I didn't have a direction. And, and only really like when I, when I did my first book and my first book I did, sorry for that noise. My first book I did uh, was this, this really where I said, I'm focusing only on one thing now which is on Mexican luchadores. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a book. I spent five months in Mexico. I flew to Mexico. I did a deal with this big wrestling comp, uh, uh, wrestling uh, organization who gave me all the fighters. And then I made a concept. Uh, I want to show Mexico through fighters, luchador fighters. And, and, and I, sh- I shot this. I, I shot this. I, I produced this book. And this is the first time I did something which focused on one thing. Yeah. And it became this body of work. From there, people saw it. And I, I, I remember, like, I gave this as a present. And actually, he was my first person who bought it. Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age uh, <laughs> bought my first big Lucha limited edition Lucha Libre Mexican wrestler book. Yeah. And this is what's the start. He says, hey, Dre, you want to do something with the band? Because I think you're really good. And that's how he, how he talks. <laughs> 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 that's nice for you to say. Of course, what do you want to do? And then we started, I started this relationship with Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age. I don't know if you know the band. It's like, he's, he's an amazing creative. Yeah. He's, uh, so he was my first step really into the rock and roll industry. And don't, this is, now this I can tell every photographer in the world. If you don't have a focus on one thing, then don't do it. So imagine, I'm not even a rock fan, but I'm a Josh fan and I, I love, I love his creativity. So we started together to work on stuff and I did all the work for the Queens of Estonia for three years. And from there alone, this gave such a great output. Again, focusing on one thing had such a great output. Then I became this rock and roll photographer. The next thing I did the Foo Fighters, I did the Arctic Monkeys, I did the ZC Top and I did all the projects really with Josh. Oh, wow. And we did a movie with Anthony Bourdain called American Valhalla about the last, uh, the last, uh, uh, the record of Iggy Pop and working with those guys, you know, I'm always, since I'm not a fan, first of all, I'm already for them. It's for, for, for the object of photography is already relaxing yeah, because he's not a fan, but Oh, so cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> Medium man. Like, Oh, like, can we have a photo? <laughs> I never take a photo together with anyone. It's like maybe accidental. Somebody takes a photo of me or they do a back, back, but, but I'm in it for, for, getting the best photo right yeah so and this is this is really but i, I have to tell you the, the focus on one thing changed my success in this and this is really the last six seven years blew off and i then ended up in even winning a being part of uh, winning a grammy for for best photography best packaging on desert session which again is a josh homie project which is his his long-lasting mixtape he's doing every 10 years <laughs> and and so so this is really the focus on one thing, you know, and not like sh- shooting everything. You can mm-hmm. never get anywhere, I think. And, 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 and this really, as well, I became myself somehow. And when you become yourself, I, I only became myself with 42, 43, maybe, wow. like 40-ish. Mm-hmm. When I found myself, you know, yeah. I, I didn't know I'm the rock and roll photographer, but I'm I really living it. I love, love the style, love the philosophy. I love, I love sh- shooting people where I don't have to Photoshop or any change anything. They don't want it. They want to look like they look, yeah. and and that's it. And the shoot is not long. It's like you, you better cut it in a, fast <laughs> because they want to leave. That's and cool. um, yeah, so having that experience from commercials, and on top of it, this restless energy. So I, 
I was I was even featured. I couldn't believe it. I was featured in this British documentary, the best rock photographers of the last century. So I'm one of them, like Mick Rock is there. And so I'm I have an interview in there because of my Iggy Pop work. So that shows you if you really focus on one thing with your creativity, you must really be the guy for this stuff. And then people come to you. Now I do fashion shoots where people ask me, oh, I, we love your rock and roll style. Can you do this with like <laughs> somebody else in fashion you know like you black and white and all that i'm even not shooting color anymore i decided like a year ago and not to color anymore so I, i'm i only shoot black and white um that's fine. one of the last domains i really can enjoy doing whatever i want right i never did it for the money or like you can make a lot of money but you, i'm not doing it for the money so i would just want to do what i want to do and with rock and roll is the most exciting because they let you do as well what you want to do this this <laughs> They benefit and they're part of it. It's a, it's a it's a relationship. You can only shoot good stuff if you have this this relationship happens with the with the subject, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you don't get this deep stuff. Like and and I think I'm that's my talent actually. Actually, connecting with the people in a way they actually let loose and they're not yeah. they put their face on. Yeah. It's, a, it's a thing though. That's very true. It absolutely is a thing. Yeah, yeah we, we've tried to do. Yeah, it. You know that. I mean, you photographers. You yeah, we've done like, we've done some photo shoots and it's a thing. Like you have. To, I mean, the first like. The first like 20 shots are almost a waste because a lot of it's just like you said, like it's an energy, you know, and it's weird as a photographer looking through the lens at somebody else and then look back at you. And, and it's just kind of like this weird connection of it is a connection. Anytime you're shooting, I always feel like I'm more connected to the person after I shoot them. Even if you're not speaking, you're just kind of looking at them through the lens. And it, it's like a super intimate experience, I mm-hmm. guess I could say it's, it's intimate. And I think everything you said was really inspiring, really, because. It was another, yeah, really another way to look at life of like, you know, it's not this crazy hustle and like, you know, a lot of the cannabis industry is a hustle. You know, a lot of it, a lot oh. of it is everybody's moving at a million miles an hour. And it was nice, exactly. like just listening to you talk because it was almost like a vacation. <laughs> and it sounds oh, like. Oh, it is. It is. So, uh, that's great you're saying that because I'm actually always was on vacation. I'm on vacation since I was born, kind of, because that was <laughs> always two things I like to do. Right? So including talking to you guys is a, it's yeah. a big honor to talk to have people actually interested in <laughs> No, it's yeah. so cool. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Well, this is the stuff we like to hear too, just like the realness, you know, and, and we could talk corporate lingo all day and what, you know, exactly. cannabis all day long. But like, I think this is the stuff that's impactful and stuff that like we want to inspire others people to do. Because I think really what you had to share there was like golden to, to us and anybody who's well, listening. And the respect to that plant. I mean, you, you this, this stuff with this plant, I only learned that you put it in the soil and it, the soil gets better afterwards. <laughs> Where do you have that, right? It gives more oxygen than any other plant. So all the stuff we learn about, it's, it's amazing. I mean, and, and only worth promoting. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, lots of countries in the world like don't get that yet, but I think we, get, we are getting there slowly but surely. We are, yeah. Well, before we let you go, we know you have one exciting thing that you guys are about to launch. And by the time this episode airs, you guys at Hardy have uh, announced it, but you guys have something cool you're doing with Tom Hanks' son. You want to tell us yeah, about exactly. that? So, so Colin is a great friend of mine, Colin Hanks. He's an actor, as you know, and he um, he's as well a rock and roller. So he's always in every concert. I, I'm with Colin and we, we he did a lot of, he did a great documentary on Tower Records, for example, like you should watch, check out. And so as a director. And so I, but as well, like two years ago, he did this, um, he did this where he said, I want to do something different. I want to uh, do something creative, like a physical thing. What can I do? And he was inspired by his granddad and his dad. They always had uh, kerchiefs like uh, uh, with them. And so he did his own line. So he did this own, don't call it bandana. He just, cro- he just crossed this out of the bread 
press release. Uh, it's a kerchief. And it's, it's I call it bandana still. I have one in the pocket here. There we go. But so my, my vision was always to launch in our stores, make the cannabis store something else. I, I, I call it the retail scene. It's a little bit, if you know, California, Fred Siegel's is like feature stuff, which nobody has yet in real retail and, and limited editions and like stuff, which is not a pipe or like a, uh, like a bong or whatever, like of Keith Herring. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually like a different thing. It's like, and we have a can, so we have a candle line now, and we have as well like the we bring Collins exclusive uh, 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 Collins Collins kerchief line to the stores, and that's and exciting. that's super exciting. He's excited. It's the yeah. first time he sells it in a real brick and mortar store. Oh wow! And and um. So it's more to come. I mean, he'll he'll not stop designing as well. So there's more more items coming. But super excited to 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 work with friends, and he's he's a great friend, and he's a, he's a he's I, I shot him many times as well, like photos. Not, yeah. not, not but he's uh, he's a wonderful human being, and uh, uh, it's great that you can actually marry that now business and friend friendship together. That doesn't always work, as we know. So yeah. so. Well, I think I think the key there, though, is, is just the I think combining cannabis and the art. I think I think exactly. anytime you're infusing art into the into the whole mix, I think it just makes something beautiful, really. Yeah, and again, the retail experience, right? Mm-hmm. So, what you said before is what everybody <laughs> says until the cows go home. <laughs> about it, but that's a little thing about it. Like you know, it's not a complex, it's not a difficult item. It's a simple item you can put in the store. It just creates a great atmosphere, even Absolutely. if you don't buy it. It's like just a cool thing to have around. You know? Yes, right. and that's why we're doing it. Get get this beyond cannabis. Yes, I love that. That's so fun. I'm all into like the exclusive drops and like things that people don't right, exactly. have. So knowing exactly. that dispensaries are going to start. By to the do way, that. I can tell you that we we haven't even started it in terms of our uh, our relationship with the Queens of Estonia and all those those friends we have, the bands, and they all want to get involved into some some kind of like product and, and as well drops, as you call them, like mm-hmm. limited editions and strains and albums and music. It's mm-hmm. all yeah. come together. So we're going to do all of that stuff. Very cool. All right, Dre. Well, we have one final question for you. Uh, we are the Lit and Lucid podcast. So are you lit or are you lucid? Oh, I'm, can I be both? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 can, you, can you explain quickly lit and lucid it's like a little bit deeper 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 so like lit is like just being like like you know kind of like when you get high and having fun and like being excited and, and energetic yeah. and lucid is more like thoughtful and like like into it like thinking like and thinking yeah cerebral yeah depends what uh, what it is but i think uh more lit than, than lucid i think there you go there but you i can go it. i can go both places perfect yeah Depends, right? It depends. It to- you know, right? Yeah, it depends. Yeah, <laughs> so that's what we get. A lot like of people. The, I like the I like the lit the lit the lit vibe. So the yeah. the enthusiastic, exciting, and like I mean, I'm already naturally that. Uh, imagine you add this the right stuff to it, then it's then it's getting scary. Right. I don't. You're pretty humble there talking about rock and roll, but I gotta say, man, rock and roll is like lit as fuck. So like, <laughs> oh, sounds awesome. pretty lit to me. Like that oh, is fun. It well, trust me. I guess. <laughs> Oh, in, some, in some back room in Paris by the fifties <laughs> show, like in, in some 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 tour bus, there's some <laughs> like the, the jacket on a the jacket with no hanger, kind of like. It's like that's it's, funny. It's, that's lit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, thank you again. 
Thank you again for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, we are yeah, inspired thank and thank you for inspiring our listeners. And we can't wait to watch what you create and kind of mold this industry into really. You're a, you're, you're a pioneer in your day and uh, we're so stoked to, to know you. Thank you. Same goes back to you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Have a, have a super time. You guys in Colorado, right? Like, yep. Yeah, yeah. My second favorite place. <laughs> the mile high. All right, you guys. With that, I'm lit. Okay, I'm um, lucid. That's it. Laters. Have you ever felt like you needed a midday boost? Something to keep the brain juices flowing, but not to the point of your head spinning? That was us just a few years ago, trying to balance the demands of life while still trying to be present for the things that bring the passion out of us, like our podcast. Jared and I normally record our podcasts after work and really started to dread them because we'd be burnt out by the time the recording came around. And I'll admit that sometimes we'd even skip the gym just to conserve our energy. Who wants to skip the gym? I don't, I don't like missing the gym, so we had to figure something out. Early last year, we started exploring the world of mushrooms and found a handful of ancient mushrooms really seemed to give us an edge. We spent the remainder of the year optimizing a blend of mushrooms, adaptogens, and CBD to give us the best of both worlds, to be more lit and lucid throughout the day, a little more energy, a little more cognition, and a healthy dose of stress relief. I sure know I can use more energy and focus to get through my day. Our Balance Blend capsules are handcrafted with love right here in Colorado, made with all natural ingredients, vegan and lab certified. And each serving contains 33 milligrams of Colorado-grown CBD, and we only use extracted mushrooms from 100% fruiting bodies in our blends, so you know it's the best. Ready to give them a try? Visit www.litlucid.com and use code LIT20 for 20% off your first order. 